Hello, I'm Dwayne McCrary. I'm the team leader for Explore the Bible Adults, and today I'm joined with Trevin Wax. Trevin, share with our listeners a little bit about your role here at Lifeway. Yes, I am the director for Bibles and Reference, so that means I oversee the um, the uh, Bibles that we publish, the commentaries, sermon helps, studies, handbooks, all things related to the Bible. Well, good. I- I'm glad you're able to be with us for this first session. We began our study of Ephesians looking at chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. In this particular introduction, we see how Paul's going to emphasize that God chose to provide the blessings of salvation through Christ's sacrifice. He begins in verses 3 through 6 by reminding his believers that, uh, his readers, excuse me, that believers are recipients of God's gracious blessings. And one of those blessings is being chosen by God the Father to be adopted as his spiritual children. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. He then moves in verses 7 through 12 to talk about the redeemed, that another blessing uh, of being a believer is redemption through Christ. Uh, this redemption grants the believer forgiveness, spiritual enlightenment, and an inheritance. Then the last thing in this particular opening session is verses 13 and 14. Paul points to the Holy Spirit as sealing believers at their conversion. And this sealing provides a, sec- a secure salvation for eternity. It guarantees salvation. There's all kinds of things, Trevin, in this less, this particular passage. Uh, you've got predestination, you've got redemption, you've got trinity, uh, you've got the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's just kind of talk through some of these things. Uh, let, let's deal with the, 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 the hot topic, first of all, that's sitting here, which is predestined. It's used twice. That word's used twice. It's, right. used, it's used in verse 5 and 11, I believe. Um, how should we approach that when we lead our classes this coming Sunday? Well, this is one, this is one of those landmines. When I'm a, a leader in a, in a life group or a Sunday school class, um, you, you always know there's going to be these potential, the potential topics that could be controversial in your class and could have the, the potential of derailing the conversation in any number of ways. And so one of the things that I'm always doing when I'm approaching a text like this is I want to hear, I want the group to hear what the text is saying um, and to let the text speak for itself, um, and then to to um, to lower the temperature somewhat to make sure that there's um, an understanding. Hey, good Bible believing Christians have differences of opinion when it comes to exactly what this means and and um, how it plays out. And what I'd encourage people to do is you're talking here about um, this this uh, you know this beautiful affirmation that God has chosen us, uh, which of course is building on you know God's uh, choice of Israel in the Old Testament, but how God has chosen us as His people, um, as He's predestined us. It's to um, uh, a couple of things. One, it should that should lead people to a sense of security, knowing that there's a family metaphor, there's adoption here that's. Uh, involved, so there should be a, a sense of God loves me, uh, God has chosen me. Um, the second thing is there should be a, a an element of mission here, um, and this is, I mean, if you follow, this is really all in the original. It's one sentence. I mean, if you had one sentence to pick from yeah. the Bible <laughs> to want to yeah, keep a, hold of, this yeah. would be a candidate, right? Um, it, it, it's amazing just how the sentence just sprawls and goes on and on and on. Um, but the, there is an element of mission here, if. If you talk about predestination and it gets really just heady and only focused only on salvation and somehow doesn't uh, capture the sense that um, God is is choosing a people to be on mission for Him, that that the the choice of Israel was on 
was actually to be a light to the nations, right? To be on behalf of the world is similar when 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 God is, is choosing his people. It's not uh, choosing some over against others uh, only, but he's choosing uh, th- these people to be a, the light to the world, the salt of the earth, to on behalf of uh, uh, he, the, the people through whom salvation will then, the message of salvation goes out. Because we, for, we forget that part of the promise of Abraham was not just that he would he would a have blessing. a great nation, but that right. he would bless all the nations through him. And that's, that's right. That's part of that covenant. And we, that's right. We forget about that part of it. Yeah, and I think I think it's really important to keep that that o- overarching mission um, as part of this. And you know, I mean, one of the things that the lesson helps does uh, lesson does well is it lays out the, a couple of the different interpretations about this passage. Um, you know, I I think the job of a good curriculum is to lay out different interpretations and let the, um, uh, you know, church leaders and teachers and um, say, hey, the, here's where here's where we are on this. But this shouldn't necessarily be something that's um, divisive. It should actually be something that uh, if you lead this group well, they should uh, um, be, be grateful and worshipful after reading this passage, not more anxious and concerned and, and, and divided over it. So the hard part comes when we focus on the disagreements and not what it it means, number one, and what we can agree upon. That's right. Because in the commentary, uh, one of the things it points to is, is saying, and us focusing on the things that we, no matter what, we can agree upon. It talks about God's sovereignty took the initiative providing salvation. All human beings are sinners, receive salvation only by trusting in Christ, and all who genuinely believe in Christ become part of God's redeemed people now and forever. Those things, no matter what you what view you take on the idea of predestination, those you would agree with. that be fair? That's right. And I think the key thing there that that passage says and something else that you see throughout this pas- passage over and over again is that in him, in him, in him, I mean, in Christ is repeated. There's a significance there that is is repeated. Help, help us think about that because that's in verses 4, 7, 11, and 13 yeah. here. It's almost like Paul wants us to, to get that. Yeah, that's really what he wants us <laughs> yeah, to walk he wants away us to make, with. Yeah, I mean, if you walk away from Ephesians 1 and your only talk is about predestination and not about that all of this salvation, redemption, forgiveness has happened in Christ, then you really miss the point that Paul is, is focusing his most of his attention on, and that is that Jesus is the Messiah, and when we are when we trust in Christ, we are we we become part of his family. We are united to him. And so one of the beautiful images of salvation is union, union with Christ. And this is one of those passages that stresses that to to the max that it's not and here's the beautiful thing about this Dwayne, it's just it's not that we just get these great things like redemption, like forgiveness. It's that we get Jesus. It's in him that we get these things. So if if our focus on salvation, and here's a challenge I would I would want to leave with my group, um, if if the focus of salvation is just well, I get to go to heaven when I die, or I I, I get to have my guilty conscience removed, or you know, I mean, all of that is glorious. But at the end of the day, the the great goal of all of this is that you get Jesus. I mean, He is the the treasure. He is the we're united to Him, and so all of this comes to us through our union. It with changes him. how we view heaven in that sense too. Um, instead of heaven, heaven being a place where we just go and live eternally, mm-hmm. it's a place where we go and live eternally with Christ. That's right. That's a that there's a, that's a world of difference than how some people think of the idea of eternity. Yeah, um, yeah. If there's no if there's no Jesus and and really in your conception of heaven, then then what, what, what what's heaven doing? all about? Yeah. Right, right. 
Would it be f fair to say that this phrase, in him, serves as foundation for everything else that Paul says in Ephesians? Absolutely. That, this whole first chapter really sets up the—I the, I mean, and as you know from the structure of this, this letter, and as we'll see as we go through these, these next few weeks, the first three chapters are more of a, hey, this is what God has done. This is what he's up to. You know, this first chapter is God's big plan— uh, the latter part of uh, the first chapter and then chapter two is all about, you know, God's plan of salvation through faith, by grace through faith. Um, and then the latter part of chapter two and chapter three is all about God bringing together, making this family, this worldwide family of Jew and Gentile, everyone coming together, uh, united by the cross. But then the, la the last three chapters are, you know, uh, well, here's how you live in light of all of this. Here's the practical outworking of what this looks like in the church. All of that that practical stuff that comes at the end of this book, this letter is is, I mean the the is all tracing back to the foundational uh, uh, statements here about that our life is in Christ. Okay, um, we're told we're sealed by the Holy Spirit here in verses thirteen and fourteen. Um, what are some of the ramifications of that verse? Yeah, I I love this image here. You know that the Holy Spirit is the the guarantee of our future, and you know this is you know that there's that that fancy theological word that eschatology. You know that you've got end times and last times and things, but but you have when when we talk about eschatology, we talk about things that are um, pertain to the end of time. One of the beautiful things that you see in the New Testament is that the future has already come and started in the present. That's that's what's happening here, and so when you when we're told that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, that He's the the down payment, uh, or you know the the guarantee, it's kind of like when you, um, you know, when you you get a you go ahead and you have a, a payment of something that is the sign and the promise of what something that's to come and to be fulfilled. So you already get a taste of it, but you're waiting for the fulfillment of it. Um, there's something about that with this sealing of the Holy Spirit. It it speaks to the fact that God preserves us in salvation. Um, that we are we are safe and secure in Him, but it also speaks to the fact that the the life that we live now in the Spirit is just a foretaste of the fully animated, sinless life in the Spirit we will have um, at the at the end of time. We we get a, a taste of that, the guarantee, the down payment of that future right now in the present. And I think that's that's something that should give us hope, even when we stumble, we sin, we fail, we you know we we mess up, we go back to God needing forgiveness again and again. Just having that as the promise of, you know what, God, God, has, God is going to complete what God has started in me. And the sign of that is he's given me the Holy Spirit. He sealed me. That, that should give a lot of people comfort, hope, and encouragement when they're uh, um, walking in, through the battles of the Christian life. Because the, the, uh, um, the sealing is contingent upon us hearing and believing. And once those two things happen, then the sealing has taken place. That's it's right. not like we have to get something else later on. It's happened because of that believing. There's great assurance in that. Yes. Um, the the idea of the down payment, you know, if I put a down payment on a house, I already can take possession of that house. Right. So that gives me a, that foretaste idea that I'm already in possession of some of the blessings that I'm going to have uh, on the other side. That's right. One of the things we haven't talked about here is that in this passage, you find, like in verse 3, you find the Father. Mm -hmm. You find Jesus, and obviously you find the Holy Spirit here in verses 13 and 14. So you have Paul pointing to the Trinity in, in, his, in the involvement of all three in salvation here. This is one of those passages that kind of, kind of brings all three together. Help, help us unpack that some for our groups. Yeah, I, I think we should pull this out. I mean, when you think about this being one big sentence and yet 
you know, got this obvious Trinitarian formula, and, and, and the Trinity is, it's one of these doctrines that it's all throughout the New Testament, but it's, it's, it's something you got to see inductively. It's not something that, you know, you have in certain affirmations the way that you find in the ancient creeds. So when you see it here, you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The, the point to take away from is, hey, in this cosmic plan of salvation, they are all uh, the, the persons of the Trinity, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are completely united in in fulfilling this plan. Now, so they're not separate plans. They're not that's one right. person's over here. One, they're doing it together, which really sets up some of the other things that we see here in Ephesians. That we'll talk about later on. Uh, the unity within the body should reflect the unity Absolutely. seen within the Trinity. Hmm. So Paul's establishing some key principles here in these very early verses that he's going to address in the rest of this book. Yes, and I mean, there's just there's so much truth and uh, um, um, doctrine in this first chapter of Ephesians. It really is astounding all that Paul packs into these into these verses. Trinitarian glory being one of them. Anything else you would want to to bring out from these verses that would help our our, our Bible study leaders? You know, I I would just say. Um, I, I'm always asking the question, what do I want people to walk away with after a Bible study? And I, on this one, I would, I would want them to, to have a sense of assurance and mission. Assurance that, you know, God's got a plan. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the fundamental thing to take away. He's got a plan. You see the Father, uh, Son, and Holy Spirit all united in that plan. We're part of that plan. So you have that assurance to know, hey, God's got this. God's in control. Um, at the same time, uh, to, to walk away with mission, knowing um, God's uh, um, rescuing of me, God's fulf- God's uh, redemption of me through Jesus Christ, and His sealing uh, of me through the Holy Spirit is not intended to just end with myself. It is meant to lead me to uh, um, spreading the blessing of salvation to others. And so, I, I would want people to 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 rest assured in the plan of God, but then also to say, Hey, what what's God's plan for me? to actually go and do as a result of knowing what the big cosmic plan is. It's kind of like when you know, hey, here's the here's the big battle strategy to win the war, and you know, the war is going to be won and then you as a foot soldier you find out, okay, here's here's my part in making, you know, in 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 uh, responding to that and knowing that this this is the battle, the decisive victory has been won. Now I'm living in light of that victory as I as I move forward. Trevin, thank you for spending time with us today. We appreciate the insights that you've given us. One thing I would point out is that online you can go to the the Explore the Bible blog. You find that at blog.lifeway.com forward slash Explore the Bible. There's a weekly post about the sessions as well that will give you some more insight. Thank you much and God bless. God bless.